This is episode 278 of That Shakespeare Life. Just like the work of William Shakespeare, That Shakespeare Life is supported by our patrons. Listeners just like you support our show and contribute directly to programming all on Patreon. Find out more and sign up today at patreon.com slash That Shakespeare Life. Hi, I'm Robin Ritchie of the Tewkesbury Mustard Company, and we make Tewkesbury Mustard in the way that William Shakespeare would be very familiar. Another great method for studying the life of William Shakespeare includes listening to this. It's That Shakespeare Life with my friend Cassidy Cash. He gave it a good, a very good looking over, as it were. Thought it was a lovely portrait, and he was happy that it was genuine to the period, circa 1600, he said. Welcome to That Shakespeare Life with Cassidy Cash. Cassidy believes that if you desire to successfully learn or perform Shakespeare's plays, then understanding the real life and history of William Shakespeare himself is a must. That Shakespeare Life is the podcast that helps you go beyond the curtain of some of Shakespeare's most iconic works and explore the world of early modern England as Shakespeare would have lived it, learning from the writers, historians, and performers who know it best. And now, here's Cassidy. After we published our episode here on That Shakespeare Life about the Duncan portrait of William Shakespeare, I received an email from Steve Wadlow telling me about the history of a portrait that had been hanging in his family home for years that a visiting Shakespeare scholar indicated might be of William Shakespeare. That scholar suggested that Steve look into the provenance of his painting further. Now, with no prior experience in Shakespeare history, or indeed even in the art world, Steve dove headlong into finding out exactly where this painting had come from and who the person in the picture actually was, since the image was strikingly similar to the Cobb portrait of William Shakespeare. It's a fun journey from discovery to modern day sleuthing about exactly where the origins of this painting are. And we're excited to have Steve Wadlow here with us today to share exactly what his journey has been like from discovering something he thinks might be from the Tudor period and what the experts he spoke with had to say about his painting. Steve Wadlow is the son of Peter Wadlow, who owned an antique picture framing and restoration business in Harrow, London from the 1960s through to the 1990s. Steve had picked up his father's art collection, and with the help of a team of scholars, professional art historians, and one intrepid documentary producer who has signed on to document the journey, they're on a quest to discover whether the Wadlow portrait is indeed a painting of Shakespeare. You can learn more about their journey and connect with Steve at the links to their website in the show notes for today's episode. Hello, Steve. Welcome to That Shakespeare Life. Hi there, Cassidy. Thank you for having me. Uh, lovely Lovely to speak to you. Very excited to hear the story of this painting. And I wonder when you first discovered the painting in your father's house might be something that you wanted to investigate further. Yes, well, I thought it set the scene. My parents' house where I grew up in the uh, 60s and 70s, uh, where they still live happily, it's just a small sort of cottage built around 1820 in the in the countryside, about 40 miles out of London. It's, it's a small little two up, two down sort of terraced, end of terraced cottage. It's not... It's not a mansion or a large house, but it's full of sort of um, antiques and, and old stuff because my dad's always been in, into that. And that's how I, I grew up with some paintings on the wall, nothing of great value. But so the, the, the painting that we're talking about uh, was 
sat in the corner and couldn't really stand out, if you see what I mean. I had little or no interest in the old-fashioned objects. At the time when I was young, I mean, I was probably about five or six, I didn't even like the painting because, silly as it sounds, it sort of uh, was quite spooky looking at you everywhere and always reminded me of Scooby-Doo, which, of course, we all watched when we were little. I don't know about you, but we did here. <laughs> of course I did. And and they do have the painting with the eyes that follow you. With in the the eyes. Show, so I, I can it. see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I know, I know it's a funny thing to say, but, you know, at the time, it, it wasn't my favourite. It used to give me the eebie-jeebies. But anyway, so the only modern thing in the house was the television. Still the same today, really. And this uh, portrait was hung above the television. And that's where it's, it's been like that for, for all that time, since the 60s. But then in the end of 2012, my uh, parents were watching a programme in the UK called Time Team. And this is where they dig up archaeological digs and things like that. They were digging up the foundations of New Place, which, of course, was Shakespeare's long-demolished home in Stratford-upon-Avon. And whilst they were watching that programme, the image kept coming up of Shakespeare, which at the time we hadn't realised, or I, I wasn't even watching it, but we now know that that was the top image of Shakespeare, which had only been discovered or claimed to be Shakespeare probably three or four years prior to this programme coming out. And one would imagine they was using the Cobb portrait because um, New Place is owned by the Birthplace Trust. Uh, the honorary, honorary president was uh, Sir Stan, or is Sir Stanley Wells, and he'd, he'd given his backing for the Cobb portrait, which many people were surprised about, and uh, I'm, I'm now surprised about, but uh, that, that, that's another story. So my father gave me a call and said, oh, would you mind having a look on the internet? Because um, I think that chap in the co- our chap in the corner, I think it might be Shakespeare, he said. So I was like, well, okay, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have a look on the internet. And to be quite honest, I didn't bother. I was like, so what? If it's Shakespeare, there must be hundreds of paintings of Shakespeare out there. Wasn't really particularly excited or bothered about it. Thought, I will. I'll, I'll put it in the to-do file and have a look at that sometime. And, and didn't really carry on with work. Was very busy at the time. But then by an amazing and spooky sort of coincidence, a couple of weeks later, just before Christmas, their neighbour came round and said that, um, well, this neighbour came round and said that his mother was coming up for Christmas to visit. She loves antiques and all that sort of stuff and old houses. Would my dad mind if he brought her round just to have a look at the house? So, I don't know, a day or two later, she came round. She walked in and pretty much the first thing she said was, um, how she really liked the copy of Shakespeare in the corner. So my dad took it off the wall, handed it to her, because it's oil on panel, not on her canvas. Uh, So the panel looks old, you know, you can see it's old. Handed her the painting and said, well, we don't know who it is, but it's not a copy, it's it's a genuine painting, genuine Tudor painting, as he called it. She, it turned out, was a, or is a, um, English art and English literature lecturer, was very interested in the subject. She was rather shaken as she's holding it, gave it a good looking over, asked for a stiff drink, sat down and basically said, well, if this is Shakespeare, it could be a very important painting and you really need to look into it. So that, along with my dad having said to me two weeks prior, and this is while it's been sat there for 40 years or so, the journey began and I started looking into it. All the stars align here and you're getting all of these signals that maybe you should look into this further. It it being the case that no one in your family, not you or your parents who owned the portrait, had any interest in Shakespeare personally. 
when you did decide to investigate this painting as potentially being a portrait of Shakespeare, where did you turn for your first source of information? The obvious sort of thing really was to straight away go to the go to the internet with old Google and things like that. See if it if if it's important, if it is Shakespeare, is that a rarity? Is it valuable? You know, all these questions come into your head at the time. I looked up all the books on Shakespeare, purchased them, read them. Well, not all of them, but as many as I could find. Became engrossed in in his life. Looked up the images of Shakespeare. um, And I made crude comparisons, cutting and pasting on a a photocopier of our painting and the Drochout engraving. Came to decide that I thought they were similar. So this, this whole theory might have legs. So let's carry on. And I contacted the owners of all the other portraits. I always like to go straight for the jugular. I contacted pretty much all of them. Anybody that are claiming to have a portrait of Shakespeare, I contacted and had a lot of information, sorry, not correspondence with. I contacted scholars, I contacted art people. I could go on for years about that. I really just spread spread everything out as, as far as I could to learn as much as I could. And it's carried on that way really ever since. So who have you gotten to look at the painting and what kind of feedback have they given you about whether or not the sitter is William Shakespeare? Yes. Um, I mean, the portrait's been seen in person or by email by many experts over the years now. The consensus is that it was painted in the English style of an English gentleman. Estimates of dates from 1595 to 1610. The latter date being based on the sort of lace collar, but that's interesting because information from UCL might actually change that but we're waiting for results I first took it for scientific tests to Hamilton Kerr Institute which is part of Cambridge University and these x-rays confirmed that the visible coat of arms had been poorly added later that confirmed what the College of Arms had suggested was the case Um, and the x-ray also showed that there was hope there was definitely at some point and hopefully still is another coat of arms under overpaint on the other side but the most incredible tests we had really were at Lumiere Technology in Paris. They were known for um, finding the underdrawings on the Mona Lisa for the Louvre. Um, when I dropped the painting off with them in Paris, they, they, they sort of poo-pooed it a bit, really, and thought it was a pastiche of many images of Shakespeare. But once they'd uh, done all their tests on it, they were very excited and actually found evidence to suggest it was definitely painted from life, from under part you know how, how these experts work that sort of thing out and they did a digi- digital comparison rather than my made up one with the drow shout and concluded that they really did think that this portrait could be shakespeare and since then we've had many facial comparisons done with software and experts at the same time as all the other shakespeare contenders and everybody claims theirs is the best um but our one consistently came out on top on that. That's not to say the others aren't, but ours was the best results each time, which is also very encouraging. So this is it. Has anybody been able to tell us if the painting is Shakespeare? This this really is the million-dollar question, and it's the question everybody asks. Who is it that you need to say it is Shakespeare? And there isn't anybody, because no one knows. This is why it's such a contentious subject, probably unique in the art world and a real nightmare for for people like me that are trying to get to the bottom of it. If you've got a painting of a, a Da Vinci or a Monet or a Van Gogh that you, you think is one of those artists, you're going to have a hard job proving it. But at least at the end of your um, your journey, there are, there's organisations and experts out there that will sign it off for you if you're correct or, or tell you if you're wrong. Um, we don't have that luxury with uh, Shakespeare portraits because 
nobody actually really knows for sure what he looked like apart from the Drochel engraving and the um and the bust. If you get some eminent professor back in you, then that's obviously going to help move you up the list of contenders, as has happened with the Cobb. But even the National Portrait Gallery can't say that the Shandos is definitely Shakespeare. One day, perhaps, and perhaps it might be our painting, something might be found under under paint, like a coat of arms, which will be conclusive. And then that painting, hopefully the Wadlow, would then be able to be used as a benchmark for future ones. Otherwise, really, all anybody can hope for is to be listed or, or thought of as a, as, a, as a genuine and serious contender. And nearly that's all, all we hope for until we can find the evidence beneath if it's there. Now, you mentioned that the painting that you have is an original and not a copy. But I know that in the in the 16th and 17th century, it was not uncommon for a professional artist to be hired for the purpose of copying the work of another artist. So you had a nobleman on, on our show in a previous episode. We discussed a painting of Antonietta Gonzalez, for example, that was painted by one famous artist. And that painting was quite popular and a collector hired a different artist to copy it. So now you have two paintings that are both real paintings painted in this 16th, 17th century timeframe, but they were, one of them is considered original in the sense that it was painted by the artist who originally painted it. And then the second one is a, is a painted copy of a painting. How do you sort out those specifics for the paintings that you have? So you know it's on canvas and you know it's painted with paint, but is it an original or is it a copy that someone was hired to paint in replica of of the different painting? Yes, yes. It's on panel, actually, our our one. Okay, on panel, not canvas. Yeah, that's right. But I I get what you're saying and it's, it's, it's an interesting point. And I think a good example of that, and again, I'm not making any comment as to whether things are or aren't, but the Cobb portrait seems to be the same as a series of, I think it's the Janssen portraits, you know, there's two or three of them. And so, yeah, so that's a, that's a perfect example. You look at the Cobb and then you can see there's two or three others are all similar that years ago they thought were Shakespeare. Now people think of Thomas Oversbury. Whether it's Shakespeare or Oversbury, I don't know. I'm not. That's not my place to say. But that's that's a perfect example, I think, of what you're saying. When it comes to our painting, it wasn't really a concern and still isn't a concern as to whether it's a copy of another painting because thus far we haven't found, and this is quite interesting really, any other painting that people are saying ours could be. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the Shakespeare portrait claims, which could be Shakespeare, and again, I'm not saying they're not, a lot of the other Shakespeare portrait claims, there's usually another painting and somebody that's saying that this, you know, X painting isn't Shakespeare because it is so-and-so, because there's another painting similar. And that leads you down that route that you're talking about, I think. But we, we haven't had that situation where there's any other painting that looks enough the same for it to, well, was this the master or was this the copy? And if all, in all honesty, would it really matter if it was Shakespeare, if it was the master or the copy? So our, our main concern and question, of course, would have been at the time, is it genuine to the period? My dad was told it was 1595 when he bought it. Is it 1595 or was this something that somebody painted in, in the 1800s? You know, that, that, that's what I really needed to check. And luckily, my father and myself uh, know a gentleman in Tring, my mum and dad's hometown, who used to be on the, um, an antiques television programme. And he was on the same programme as another gentleman, who's like the sort of leading expert on on portraiture, uh, recognised as pretty much the leading expert. So via 
him, we 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 managed to manage to make contact, and I was able to take it up to London for this expert to see. And I went with the sole intention, really, of finding finding out if when he looked at it, if he thought it was genuine to the period or not. He gave it a good, a, a very good looking over, as it were. Thought it was a lovely portrait, and he was happy that it was genuine to the period, circa sixteen hundred. He said. So that that gave me the encouragement to carry on because it was still worth it because this painting was now, I was being told, not not from any technical tests, but I was being told that, um, yes, it's circa 1600. So five years away from the 1595, everything was still looking good. Ever since since then, I mean, it's been through sort of every test you can think of nearly. I mean, there's other tests we need to do. And every test it has, scientific, whatever type of test, it passes. It passes with flying colours. Nothing sets us back. It's just all very small steps forward. And that even includes dendrochronology, which is what um, I'm sure you know, but it's where they, um, the wood is aged. So rather than it being on canvas, as it's on panel, that allows experts in that field to uh, sample a small part of the, uh, of the panel to give an age for it. And that was done by one of the leading dendrochronologists in the UK. And again, it came out as a um, period of Shakespeare with a panel. So every test has has confirmed that this painting, we can't say for sure who it is, but we can say for sure it was genuine to the period circa 1600. Has there been any evidence to suggest who the artist was that painted it? That's a tricky one, because um, obviously, you know, you know, you've discussed these sort of portraits with people in the past. We're trying to do a documentary. And I'm not naming names at the moment because I don't think it's fair to name people's names without them having a chance to say stuff themselves. But obviously we're hoping when the documentary's done that then they could be filmed at agreeing or disagreeing with me, whichever way it goes. But Peak has been suggested, and these these are suggestions by by proper people. Robert Peak. Robert Peak has been suggested, which is interesting because you did the talk with Duncan and Robert Peak, they believe, painted their one. So we all know from those discussions you had of the connections with Shakespeare. Now, just because an artist is connected with Shakespeare doesn't mean that the painting is Shakespeare, but it all helps, and it helps with uh, the uh, painting that Duncan was discussing with you. Yeah, it certainly provides some circumstantial evidence, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if it's a painter, it finally said, well, he could never have possibly painted Shakespeare because he was probably 300 miles away, then, of course, that's that, that, that rules that out. So it all, it all, it all ticks box, boxes. Uh, Pete, another one who's been suggested is Seeger, William Seeger. Now, if you've got two pieces of art and one's painted by William Seeger and one's painted by Robert Peake, from a value point of view, you'd probably rather your painting be painted by Robert Peake because it will go for more money if you're selling it, if you don't know who the sitter is or whatever. I don't really care about that. We're, we're not worried about... Who, Ch- chasing who down the it. truth is more where you're at here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I actually I actually like the Seeger. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with Peake <laughs> if I'm being given a choice. But I'm also happy with Seeger because... This is another long story. People will just have to look this up because uh, obviously, I, again, I know we haven't got time for me to wrap this on about this. But Seeger had a sister and she was involved with um, the Shakespeare crew of the time. If I, if I can use that, and they all met down the pub or wherever. And Seeger was a herald at the College of Arms. We all know about Shakespeare's attempts and final success of getting a coat of arms. In the early 1600s, Shakespeare's was one of the arms that was um, argued against, I think would be the word, uh, by one of the uh, college, one of the heralds. And it seems it would appear from the history books that Seeger actually backed Shakespeare's claim up 
there's a lot of connection with Seeger and Shakespeare and College of Arms and Coats of Arms and all that. So I like Seeger. I'm happy with Peak or Seeger. What experts have said is they don't believe it was a provincial, which sounds rather nasty, really. In other words, if you don't live in London, you can't be a good painter. That's the words they use. It would appear that our portrait has been painted by a very good artist or painter. And the names that have been mentioned thus far are Peach and Seeger, but people will argue about that all day long. So where is the painting now? And what's the long-term plan for what you're going to do with it? Right, so sad thing about this at the moment is it is locked away. It's costing money to be locked away, but I mean, it's not costing fortunes. Because of the publicity we've been getting over 10 years, not huge, but, you know, it's out there. I can't imagine anybody want to come and steal it because, after all, what would they do with it? But we don't want to take that risk. So it's locked away in a a location. And as and when I need to take it anywhere for tests, so I I built a special case for it. I go and collect it and take it and then take it back, which is so it's, I don't want to sound all sort of um, melodramatic, but it's, it's sad that it isn't actually hanging on a wall at the moment. So. Hopefully one day it will be there for people to see whoever it is, because he is a fine painting. It's definitely, I believe, a theatrical, interesting person. And we we don't want it hidden away in the dark forevermore, you know. So, but equally, I'm trying to find answers. (laughs) That's where it is at the moment. I know we're going to look forward to seeing your documentary come out and to catch some more details into the history of this painting and hopefully solve the mysteries of whether it is of William Shakespeare and possibly find out whether it is Seeger or Peak or someone else that painted it. We will place links in the show notes to Steve's website where you can follow along and get updates about the rest of this journey. Now, Steve, in addition to your website and following along with the work you're doing, what are some of your favorite books or resources you can recommend we use to learn more yes so um really sort of copying on from what i was looking at um if anybody's interested in the subject of portraits of shakespeare obviously there's a there's a vast amount of uh of um stuff out there and you can then see how contentious it is because a lot of the time people are agreeing and disagreeing with each other all the time books i found interesting was uh catherine duncan jones who i think i believe sadly died last year but catherine duncan jones who never actually saw our painting, but her book, Portraits of Shakespeare, is very, very interesting. Wikipedia, of course, everybody turns to Wikipedia, but Portraits of Shakespeare on Wikipedia is very insightful, shows all the contenders, shows ones that have been attempted at fraudulent attempts in the past, uh, because a lot of that went on. Which Wikipedia gets a bad rap, but I will tell you a, a sort of a cheat code to Wikipedia. You can actually check at the bottom of their articles and they have links to scholarly books and articles that were used to compile what's shown on Wikipedia. So often that's a great place to go and just sort yes. of navigate to the original source. So Wikipedia can be a good place to yes. start when you're investigating something. Absolutely, I, I, I think it is. And it, it does lead off in different directions. Um, I think that probably one of the best books or probably the best book that I read about it, is Searching for Shakespeare by Tanya Cooper. She was the curator, I don't know if she still is or not, but she was the curator of the uh, Tudor Portraits at the National Portrait Gallery. And they did an exhibition about portraits of Shakespeare some years back before, sadly, um, I was interested or involved in all this. And that's a very good book. And that even mentions about the lost portrait of 1595 oil on Panama by Keck, which we believe ours probably is and we've got certain reasons for that but that's what we're we're working on at the moment that's that's a very very good book i would imagine it's probably online as well 
there's our website, of course, but I'll probably you'll probably put a link to that because that has links on it to other things. I will. We will we will include links to your website and these resources in the show notes for today's episode. So you can stay tuned for the URL for where to find those. Now, Steve, we ask everyone this next question here at That Shakespeare Life, and that's what's the one book you would take with you on a deserted island? My friends in England tell me I'm supposed to allow you the complete works of Shakespeare and a copy of the Bible. So your choice would be in addition to those. Yeah, well, this is the question I bet everybody loves when you ask this. So they try and rack their brains trying to sound intelligent and um <laughs> what, what book should i mention that will make me sound great and i thought well don't no, i'm not gonna i'm literally just gonna say the books i enjoy most are the shard lake series by cj sansom and it's um a tudor mysteries and i enjoyed these well enough before i started all this if i had to choose one of that series i would choose choose dissolution but if you're going to read a book and if you're going to be stuck on a on a on an island I want to be transported to the place I'm reading about. And they're set in sort of Henry VIII's time, Tudor England, brilliant books, brilliant mysteries. I only wish I could be transported there, then move forward slightly to Shakespeare's time, have a beer with him and find out actually if we have got him hidden away or not. Oh, see, I I love this answer because, yes, what a great desert island selection to be able to more fit into having a beer with Shakespeare and ask him all the questions we would love to know the answers to. I think that's that's a exactly. great way to use your time there. Be great. <laughs> so what's next for you? What are you working on now that you're excited about? Right. Okay. So with us now, the, the there's nothing really next because I couldn't handle any more than this, I don't think. Um, obviously, we work to try to earn a living, normal people, without wanting to sound all sort of, you know, we're not in a stately home with this hanging on a wall. We've got to survive, family and all that sort of stuff. And then at the same time, progress with our investigations i'm blessed with um some great help from people that have really been fabulous they know who they are and um again in the documentary hopefully that'll all come out um if we can get that ever uh, broadcast which i'm sure we will at some point but from an excitement point of view we're, we're waiting in university college london have been one of the people that have, um, looked into it in fact we didn't actually mention lumiere but at the drosha but anyway uh, university college london uh, have have had the painting a couple of times now. They've been fabulous, and they're doing a lot of research on it for us. Not as about whether it's Shakespeare, but more about the paints and all background stuff, which all helps. And we're awaiting some results from some further tests that they've carried out, which have been fascinating to do with the collar, and all helps. And everything they're coming up with, although their their remit isn't to is it Shakespeare or not, the stuff they're coming up with is all falling perfectly into place with it is. I'm not saying they're saying it is, but it's all falling into place with that. So that's exciting. And just just moving forward, really, and hoping to see if we can one day have an answer. Well, Steve Wadlow, thank you so much for being here this week and taking us through the slice of this Shakespeare portrait journey that you and your family are on. We're excited um, to see your journey progress, and we'll look forward to learning uh, the mysteries that you solve along the way. Thank you so much for being here. It's been fun talking with you. Thank you very much for, for having me. It was, uh, it's been great fun. Thank you. If you'd like to see visuals for today's history, including a picture of the portrait we're discussing in this conversation, then be sure to stop by the show notes for today's episode. The show notes will find extra history that coordinates with our conversation, along with more information on our guests and links to the resources that they recommend. Find all of these things at CassidyCash.com slash episode 278. That's CassidyCash.com slash EP 278. 
If you're a loyal podcast listener here at That Shakespeare Life and enjoy joining us here each week, then we invite you to dive even further into the making of our show and more history about William Shakespeare by becoming a patron of That Shakespeare Life. Patrons get access to over 150 additional episodes of our show, including their accompanying show notes that go along with those shows that are not available on public listening platforms. Along with these extra episodes, patrons get sneak peeks at upcoming guests and the chance to submit questions that get asked during an interview, along with bonus resources from my research into putting the show together each week. It's a real insider's look at the making of our show and the opportunity to have a hand in producing the show each week. If this sounds fun to you, then join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash that Shakespeare life. That's patreon.com slash that Shakespeare Life. That Shakespeare Life is researched and produced by me, Cassidy Cash. Our audio engineer is Gary Mayholm. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'm Cassidy Cash, and I hope you learn something new about the Bard. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to That Shakespeare Life. As always, the best conversations happen after the episode over at CassidyCash.com. Become a part of a vibrant Shakespeare conversation by adding your voice over at the website. Until next time, remember, when you want to know William Shakespeare, you have to go behind the curtain and into That Shakespeare Life.